Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. Today we are going to cover a subject that might rub some of you the wrong way, but that is how I roll. And that said, I also strongly believe that when one teaches the Word of God, it must move the listener to hear, think, and respond well outside their worldly box. So I titled our topic today, Getting High on God. And what do I mean by this? Well, having been teaching and counseling in the drug abuse community for the past 18 years, I quickly came to realize that every one of us has a vice, a substance that we engage with in our lives. And the thing or things we engage with either make us feel relaxed or they ramp us up. And no, they do not have to be the illegal narcotic alcohol abuse we most commonly associate with drug users. Our, quote, drugs, the substances, can be all kinds of things, such as food, hobbies, sports, TV, caffeine, movies, exercise, our jobs, sports, gambling, sex, social media, even other people, and the list goes on and on. And these are the vices, the, quote, drugs, the substances that many of us use in our lives when we need a fix, need a high, to take our mind off of personal problems, relationship problems, money problems, work problems, perhaps even issues we are having with God. And sadly, like it or not, this is who we are. This is you, and this is me. But what does this have to do with God? What does this have to do with God's Word and living as God desires us to live? How about everything? You see, when we decide to take life take the matters of life into our own hands, when we decide to hunt for a thing or things that we want to interject into our lives to alter how we view life and various situations, we are deliberately excluding God and in His place taking up idols, stuff, random things to satisfy our deepest needs. When we decide we need to distract ourselves from something we don't like, something that hurts us, something that we simply want to get our mind off of permanently or temporarily, is to far more often than not head straight for our pacifier, our vice, our distraction, drug of choice, that thing that calms us down and allows us to go into our own little world in supposed freedom, that place of solace. Don't know about you, but that sounds just like what alcohol and various other drugs do for those that choose the much harder route of narcotics, alcohol, nicotine, and the like. In all instances, we are putting the entirety of the world in between us and God. It's like living in a solar eclipse when we put other objects between our lives and God. We block the light of the sun, S-O-N, and darkness slowly spreads over our life. And just like a solar eclipse, where the moon is positioned between the earth and the sun, S-U-N, it all happens quite slowly. The moon, that object in our life, slowly creeps into position until finally the light is blocked. This is exactly how it happens in our lives. We start putting objects, our substances, between us and God, and as we continue to do that, we slowly diminish the life-giving light of God. And as the objects of our desire pile up, the light is slowly diminished and just slow enough that we rarely realize it is actually getting darker until finally one day we do realize the light has been fully blocked. Our vices have blocked seeing God, receiving his light into our lives, and we feel we have been cut off by God and left in the darkness. So where do we go from here? You say you are very much living in the light and there are no vices or objects of desire, 
No idols blocking God's life-giving light in your life? Well, think again, because we are all, at the very least, living in a partial solar eclipse. It's the eclipse that looks like a bite was taken out of the sun. It looks like the sun is missing a piece. And as there are varying degrees of solar eclipses, so it is in our lives that we have blocked varying degrees of God's light with our choice objects and ultimately our sin. And while we are all afflicted with a vice or two and living our lives in varying degrees of an eclipse, it is very important for the believer, those who claim Jesus as Lord and Savior, not to simply ignore the objects we are holding up that are blocking the varying degrees of light. Don't say to yourself, quote, I'm good, I'm okay, there's still plenty of God's light getting through, I'm definitely walking in the light, God understands I'm just a human, and these things just get in the way and block a little light now and again. And while we are human, and things do get in the way, and God is not at all surprised, we cannot live with that attitude. And God will not allow that and will hold us very accountable. Let's dig a little deeper. It's a human reaction to want to dodge, to run and hide from problems, things that are upsetting, things that create anguish in our minds and body. We want relief from the emotional and often physical pain that is so much a part of most of our lives and we want the quickest relief possible. Now, some of you will be thinking, well, that's not me. I deal with my problems. I remain in God's will and God's light. And maybe you do. But the question is just how do you deal with your problems? What do you reach for, turn on, eat, drink, smoke, or watch? Who do you call to talk about the issues? And what do you engage with? And no, you don't always run to God. Yes, you do have your vices you reach out to before God. And that is what we have to see and recognize in our lives and get disciplined with and practice going to God. As believers, we need to think long and hard about what we do when things get rough in our lives. So why don't we reach for God first? Why don't we run to God? Why don't we hunger for God? Why don't we first talk to God? Why don't we light up the Word of God? Why don't we take a good long drink of God's Word? Yes, you heard me. Why don't we get drunk on God's Word? Why don't we smoke the Word of God, taking long drags on His life-changing Word, inhaling deeply the aroma of His grace and mercy and love and compassion and feel the high of all highs, the pain-relieving high, the calmness, the peace that only God can fill our bodies with? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Can you imagine what our lives would truly look like if we really got drunk on God's word and inhaled it deeply and gorged on it? Can you imagine how awesome our relationship would be with God if we put the same passion into him as we do our vices? There is no vice substance in the entire universe that can get you in a better state of mind than the potency of consuming in every which way all God has to offer us. So with all that, why don't we seek God first? Several reasons. We have decided that God works too slowly and often doesn't give us the instant fix, the instant gratification we want or expect, and it often feels that it is just too much effort to go to God and talk about our issues, or more than likely, too stressful to talk about our issues, which only make matters worse. Isn't it often true that when we are in trouble or hurt or have been caught for doing something wrong, that we want to run from God? 
We don't want to have to face God and admit why we are in the position we are in, all while knowing God will then force us to deal with it, which in the end might only lead to more anguish. Another major challenge is that we always have to go to God in faith and trust that he knows what is best for us and will give us what we need. And again, that is not always what feels pleasurable. Yes, faith and trust are really hard disciplines to grasp, even for the most mature Christian. But just like our previous list of vices we flock to for answers and comfort and help, we only regularly run to them because we do have so much faith and trust in them. We trust that they will do their job, and in reality, our substance does the job we expect of it. And so because it listens to our demands and gives us what we want, we find pleasure, satisfaction, and ultimately very shallow and temporary peace in it. Likewise, when our vices or substances or drugs no longer do what we expect of them, we then trade them in for another substance that we can trust and put our faith in. You see, we ultimately have an abundance of faith. We are brimming over with faith and trust, but that faith and trust is most often in all the wrong places, with all the wrong things, and we typically always put our faith and trust in the very things that provide instant gratification and lack all possibility of rectifying anything. We live in a world of instant gratification and quick fixes. You have a headache? Take meds. Have a fever? Take meds. Have the sniffles? Take meds. Play hard and get hurt? Take meds. So you can get up and play even harder. Not only that, we take time to find the meds that are going to work the fastest. We often look for the strongest meds at the store and then double the recommended dosage. And why not? If one is good, two or three must be better, and they will only provide that much faster relief. And if you have a Costco membership, oh, the sky's the limit, because you will get the 10,000 count extra double strength bottle of pain reliever just to make sure you don't accidentally ever run out. Let me ask you, when was the last time you put that same enthusiasm and effort into God and his word as you did hunting down the world's instant fixes and highs? Let me get real here. You need to understand that just because I am saying all these things that might be inflammatory to some of you, I am in no way suggesting I have figured it out or I don't do any of these things. Quite the contrary. I love to find other things that will supposedly ease my pain from all sorts of things other than God. God is sadly very often the last thing I reach for when I am hurt, angry, depressed, or sad. I do want the quick fixes. I love the quick fixes. I want to escape reality. I don't want to keep thinking about what is causing the misery in my life, even though I know very well what it is and now exactly what I need to do. And I want to distract myself with all sorts of things that seem easier than God. And it is also very true in my life that I know deep down while attempting to numb my issues with whatever it is I get hold of, I know it will never solve the problem without going to God. And I know I will face it again and again if I don't go to God with it. But in all of my foolishness and stubbornness and wanting it my way, I still run the opposite direction from God for my answers so often. I also know full well I am setting myself up for failure. I know I need to seek God first, but honestly, there are plenty of times I just want what I want and truthfully don't want to talk to God about my problems, and sometimes I even feel as though I have the right to be mad. I have the right to put God second. I have the right to do whatever I please, because I'm sick of hurting and fighting all the junk in my life all the time. 
And please don't ever admit to me that you don't act like this or do any of these things. Don't delude yourself that somehow you have mastered turning to God first, that your walk with the Lord is so pristine that you would never dream of picking up something other than God first. Indeed, it is all of us that have fallen short of the glory of God, and there is no one good. No, not one. Romans 3, 10 through 18 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. And this is why God reminds us over and over and over again throughout Scripture as to what we must practice in our lives, and that of striving to put Him first. I find it fascinating that I never forget how to turn on the TV, never forget where the food is kept, never forget how to log on to Netflix or YouTube or Facebook. I never forget who to call and complain to or find that unsuspecting relative or friend who I can get to console me and tell me everything will be fine and I don't do anything wrong after all. I never forget where the meds are for my aches and pains. And so sadly, for many the world over, they never forget where to find their drugs and alcohol. No, we don't forget these things. But we do regularly forget where God is. We regularly forget God's word. We regularly put God second or fifth or even last in our lives. So how do we begin to work on our discipline to at least attempt to go to God first? How do we begin working on seeking first the kingdom and God's righteousness before we run off and smoke, eat, drink, and whatever the world has to offer us? Let's take a look at some very encouraging scriptures in God's Word on the things that we need to do and to follow. And we're going to start with Matthew 6:33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Complicated in structure? No. It just involves discipline and practice. Next, 1 Chronicles 16:11 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. And how about 2 Chronicles 7.14? If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Look at that. We now even get one with a promise here when we follow the directions. I will forgive your sin and heal your land. I will hear from you in heaven. Moving on to Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. More promises for following his instructions. Let's continue on with Isaiah 55.6, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Moving on to Job 5, 8 through 9, it says, As for me, I would seek God, and to God would I commit my cause, who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things, without number. Let's continue on in Deuteronomy 4, 29. Seek the Lord your God, and you will find him, if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. 
Next, Luke 11, 9 through 10 says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And how about Proverbs 3, 5 through 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Each one of these passages makes it abundantly clear as to what we are to do and to get a hold of and get high on, a real godly high. But we don't often live by these things because they require discipline and effort and dealing with our struggle, while the world lets us temporarily forget our problems by simple vices and substance. But notice in all of these passages we read, there is a very consistent word, a consistent theme that is used over and over and over again. And that word, that theme is seek. We read it in Matthew, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, Lamentations, Isaiah, Job, Luke, and each of them say, seek God, seek him first, get in his face and call out to him, hunt him down. Doesn't that sound just like what we do with all of our vices, the world's vices? Oh yeah, we seek them out. Let's take a good look at the definition of this word seek for just a moment. And it is indeed quite a powerful word. First off, let's look at the definition from Webster's. And it says, seeking is to desire to obtain or achieve something. Pretty solid. Now let's take a look at it from the origins from Middle English. And the definition in Middle English means to go in search of, or on a quest for something, to strive for. Going on to Old English, and it means to pursue, chase, long for, wish for, desire, look for, even expect from. Now, if we take the definition from Latin, we see it is to perceive keenly by scent. And finally, from the Greek, it says to crave, to search for. Yes, this little word has a very powerful meaning, and we know, at least now we do, exactly what God means when he says, seek me. I particularly like the definition from Latin, to perceive keenly by scent. When I read that, I immediately thought about our beagle. This beagle lives to perceive the world keenly by the scent of everything. This dog's favorite position is nose to the ground, even to the point of not having a clue what's going on around her sometimes. She is intent and won't let up until she has found what it is she is searching for. And beagles and many hound dogs especially will track. They will seek until they find whatever it is they have their heart set on. What an example. And this is exactly how we need to seek God. Our heart needs to be set on nothing else but Him, running to him, pursuing him, and be on a quest for him until we are in his presence. So why does God say, seek me, so many times in these few verses that we read? Because he knows we are driven to seeking, and it actually comes quite easy to us. We are naturally bent on pursuing and hunting and craving, desiring, chasing, and on the scent of so many things in our life. And very often, when it is something we decide we want, we do not give up until we find it. Now, notice I said we hunt and crave and desire and chase things. We decide we want, not what God desires. 
and God wants. And where did we learn how to pursue our own stuff, our own vices and fixes so well? Our first parents, Adam and Eve. God said to them, pay attention to me, seek me, and I will supply all of your needs. But no, God wasn't good enough. They got wind of a substance that had attached to it and out of this world opportunity, a psychedelic experience like nothing else, an experience and fix for something that wasn't even broken in their lives. And we see they were so desperate for getting high on knowledge and all the supposed promises that would come with it. They lit that piece of fruit right up and smoked it. Oh, they devoured it. And it indeed gave them exactly what was promised. They received God's promise and they received Satan's promise. God promised them death if they ate the fruit and Satan promised them knowledge if they ate the fruit. And both promises did come true and all because they were desperate for something other than God and God's truth. And that is exactly who we are today. Doesn't that sound exactly like what we do almost every day? And more captivating still, at least for me, is the fact that they didn't even pause long enough to check in with God and say, God, we are really interested in eating this fruit. And we know you said don't. And we are pretty sure it's not a good idea. But Lord, we are really tempted by this and really want to have this extra knowledge. Can you please help us through this moment? Well, we know that didn't happen. And in reality, they didn't bat an eye at what they ended up doing. And not only that, as we said, they wanted it right away. No time to waste on letting this opportunity pass. Not even long enough to go to God with it. Talk about carpe diem, literally meaning pluck the day. And not only did they pluck the day, they ate the day away into a pit of destruction and death. Again, how familiar in every one of our lives at this very moment. And so we run to get our fix, trusting the promises of what the vice will do for us. Hunt the promises of our high and believe on everything but God. And then when we drink up, snort up, eat up, watch up, all we can get our hands on, only to crash and burn. But not even that will cause many of us to give up. And we start running again, running even further from God, and we go into hiding the furthest place from God we can possibly go. And hopefully that is a good place to be for you, the best place for you and me, because that is the time we get to surrender and yell out, oh God, please, please help me. And remarkably, when we call out and allow God to help us, we are truly given a high that is unmatched by anything we could ever acquire outside of God. May I encourage you to go and pursue, chase, hunt, run after God, just like you run after all the other things in your life outside of God. Don't stop until you have found him and all that he will give you if you are willing to receive it. We need to seek God, not the world, and then we will truly be filled with his peace and understanding and on the highest of high and all in the presence of our Lord God. And when we are high on God's love, wisdom, and discipline, and crave Him with all of our being, the world will see true life in us. Let's close with this. We only seek what we love. So who and what do you seek? Who and what 
do you love? Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Seek that and you will experience life like you never have before on an incomprehensible high. Let's pray. Most glorious God and Father, we come to you today, hopefully seeking you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are grateful that you are the perfect provider for everything we need. Help us to put down the very temporary and shallow things of this world and run to you to be filled up. Fill us up, we ask, with your wisdom, joy, and peace that can only come from your hand. Remind us, Lord, when we run to what the world has to offer, that you are there with something so much better. Help us to be obedient to listening to you even when we feel beaten down and don't want to talk to you. I ask now that for anyone who is hunting the cheap fixes in this world, that they may turn and look to you for their strength and their fix. And we ask all of this in the name of our matchless Savior, Jesus Christ.